Harvard Church. I almost actually grabbed the microphone. I realized I don't need to do that now. After. I have this fancy one attached to my face. So I am so honored by the chance to preach this morning. Could you give a, a hand for Pastor Greg and Lisa, who just spend so much time and so much to pour into this house. And I, I just want to say it is an honor to be up here and to preach. I don't want to take it for granted. And I know the Lord is going to give me a word this morning that is really going to reach people and touch people and love people to move into a new year. So would you pray with me, Lord? I pray that you would pour into each of our hearts. I pray that you would pour into each of us and open our hearts to you in order to hear your word and really fill us with something that we can carry into this new year. I pray that you would open up each of us to your spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, today is a very fun day. It is New Year's Eve, and it is a, uh, a special date. It is December the 31st, 2023, which means today is the day that people are flocking to Las Vegas. And you might wonder why. It's because of the date, because if you put 12, 31, 1, 23 next to each other, it's 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. And so what better day, people think, to get married than today on, one, on 12, 31, 23? And they have balloons and everything, and you, you see them placing it outside. It says that every single one of all of the Vegas uh, hotels for getting married, awful, all the way up until midnight, because people want to start off their new year with the idea of, you know, let's go, one, two, three, let's go into the new year and get married. And I would like to uh, superimpose that for us this morning. Now, I don't know what your last year is like. Maybe you're looking at your previous year and all the things that you've did and how you loved in the Lord and saying, you know what, maybe I could have loved just a bit more. How was, how was my life in Christ-like last year. So I would like to superimpose that this morning as saying, you know what, let's go. Let's go into the new year walking in love and going in love. And if you haven't guessed, the title of, of my sermon this morning is, is Walking in Love. Let's one, two, three, go and walk in love this morning. I was uh, reading in the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is talking about the Jewish exile into Babylon. It's a fascinating book. I, I love reading it. And so at this point, just to give you a bit of backstory, but a bit of history of what he's talking about before I get into it, you have actually two countries that formed after Saul um, came, left and left his son, the son as king. It's Judah and Israel. And so right now, Jeremiah is speaking to Judah. Israel at this point had basically completely fallen away from God. They weren't really serving him in any way. So Judah had, technically they had also fallen away, but they had come back, but as the Bible says, only in pretense. And Judah here is, is set as an example of, of basically what not to do. Those are, those are, those are never fun things, to, fun things to be in the Bible, because they were, what they were doing is they were performing all of the rules, all of the traditions, all the sacrifices, so they would go and they would, and they would get the lamb and they would perform the sacrifices and do everything that they were supposed to be doing, but then they would go off and live however they wish and serve whatever gods they wish and do all kinds of things that, that should, should not be repeated. Because they, uh, they were serving, trying to serve God outwardly, but they never once actually gave God their heart. They were trying to serve him through rules, and then if they just did enough rules, if they just did enough tradition, maybe then they could achieve salvation, but that's not the way to do it. Uh, God says through Jeremiah, it says, so he's speaking to these people, and he is not, he's not pleased at this point with them. He says, will you go out? And will you steal and will you murder and then come and stand before me in this house 
which bears my name and say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Because, and this is important for us, they were seeking God, but they were just missing it. Because they didn't start where they should have. They didn't start with their heart. They were trying to do it through rules and, and, and tradition. And Jeremiah, but not everyone was like this, because Jeremiah was prophesying to Shalom, who was at this time the king of Judah. He was the son of Josiah. And Josiah was someone who honored God. He was a king that God said honored him. Shalom, his son, though, uh, was not. And when he's speaking to Shalom, he says, does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Um, uh, the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, I have a Bible next to, next to where I sleep, says compete in cedar. I like how it, how it puts that. Did your father, so he's speaking about Josiah, have food and drink? He did what was right and just, and so all went well with him. And I think this perfect, perfectly encapsulates what Judah was doing, and it's a teaching moment for us that they were trying to compete for cedar as a way of staying in the allegory. And this world loves to do that. We love to compete online. We compete for followers. We compete for money. We compete for status. We compete for these things, and then they would go and they would do all their traditions and they would do all the sacrifices. But in their heart, they weren't competing for God's love. They weren't seeking God's heart they were still competing for cedar and thinking, oh, can the out on the outside, I'll go and do all the things and I'll do everything that's right. But on the heart, it was still competing for Zia, but not Josiah. I love how the Bible describes the king Josiah. He is just an amazing person. It says that he defended the cause of the poor and of the needy, and all went well with him. And this amazing loving verse then comes out in Jeremiah 22, 16, that says, is that not what it means to know me? Isn't that amazing? He defended the cause of the poor and the needy. Is that not what it means to know me? Because to know God is more than just following rules. It's more than just walking in the tradition of your ancestors to pray here, to stand here, to do this, but then not actually deal with the heart. While Shalom and all of Judah were trying to compete for cedar, just stay with the analogy, Josiah was giving it away. He was giving it away to the poor. He was giving it away to the needy. He didn't need to do that, but he knew that that's what God would love. He knew that that's what God would care about, more about starting with the heart and then giving out from the heart than focusing on all the rules, but then not changing who you are. And we, we live in this place where people say, if I just live perfectly, if I just get my life right, then I will find God. But that's not how you find God. You find God through an honest and repentant and a servant heart. Walking in love. Because to know God is to do love and to seek him both inwardly and outwardly, to start with what is in your heart and then to pour out, as the Bible says, is that not what it means to know me? And we have this perfect and loving example of love. We have something that Judah didn't have, and that is Jesus. 
We preach Jesus and we talk of Jesus because through Jesus it is what we deal with when we deal with the heart. We focus on Jesus in order to correct our hearts. And as we correct our hearts, it affects our outward. It pours out of our outward. As the Bible says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. His life is an example of how we can live, of not just following the rules and the traditions, but of actually pouring out of a changed heart. I remember back in 2019, I don't know if anyone recalls the Notre Dame Cathedral catching fire. It was about 2019. And as the news and everything was going on about that, and they were describing the tower that was burned down, there was this big outcry and this big rush in order to, you know, let's rebuild the cathedral. Let, let's rebuild the Notre Dame Cathedral. And what's amazing is we have, more, uh, we have more things than they did when they built the cathedral. We have more resources. We have more technology than they did. But as they were going and as they were talking, one of the commentators, the talking heads, mentioned something that I found fascinating. He took a pause as they were saying, oh, it's going to look beautiful. Oh, it's going to look great. We're going to make it look just as good as it did before. And he says, you know, I don't think we understand the pure devotion of love that was poured out by the people who built that cathedral. And in all of the resources that we have and in all the money that we have and in all of our capabilities to build it, it just won't look the same as those who with their heart poured the love of generations after generations into that building as an outpouring of their love to God. And I found that fascinating because what they were saying is that the heart that they had, the devotion that they had pouring outward, physically affected the physical objects and the feeling that you got from those around them. They were saying that it wasn't just in the heart, that the devotion that they had could be seen in their life and be seen in what they did and be seen in who they are that cannot be just recreated by doing it perfectly and by doing it right. That a heart seeking in God, that a heart walking in love is seen outwardly by everyone and in everything that you do and in everything that you are. And in the New Testament, we see this same discussion on the inward and the outward, on the heart and what's inside in the Galatian church. And Paul is speaking to the Galatian church because the Galatian church was basically going through a really, really hard time. You see, around this time, they were under severe persecution from Rome. And Rome had a, a basically a kind of cutout. They didn't basically like what the Christians were doing, but they had a cutout. If you were a Jew, you had immunity. It was basically a Jewish immunity for the Jewish people. And so there was this temptation by the Galatian church to go back to the rules, to go back to the traditions of the Jewish culture to avoid persecution. Because if they went back to the traditions, they would look like everyone else, and then they would escape persecution. They wouldn't be persecuted anymore. Which I find fascinating. By what they did in living for Christ was noticeable, because many of them, by the way, were Jews. They, they were Jews. But by living for Christ, what they did 
and changing their heart was so noticeable that it was noticeable by the Romans that they were different from everyone else. It was noticeable that they were not the same as everyone else. And so there was this temptation, oh, I'm not sure I want to live this way. Maybe I should go back to the traditions. I'll look good like everyone else, and then I won't be killed like them. And so Paul is encouraging them not to go back to that because when we live for the Lord, as we change in our heart and we outpour for the Lord, it looks physically tangible different to others. People see it on us, even if they don't know what it is. Even the Romans, as sinful as they were, saw that there was something about these people that was not the same. They were Jews outwardly, but there was something about them that was different and that was dangerous. And so Paul is encouraging in this church to not give it up, to walk in love. Don't just settle for the traditions that make life easy, that make life simple, and that you can go and then you won't be facing persecution. You won't be facing any of this. Continue to walk in love, especially because it is seen. Because God says, here's how you shall know who are my disciples. By how they love one another. So how we love is noticeable. In fact, we are identified as the disciples of Christ based on our love and our outpouring of our love, that what we do inside of our hearts is so noticeable and identifiable that it actually defines who we are and identifies us as followers of Christ. So we must walk in love as Jesus did. So I would like to focus on that this morning and say, you know what, let's go, let's one, two, three, to stick with the theme, go, and walk in love this year. Because this is what we do differently. This is what people see in us. Because our focus is not in doing everything perfectly. We can do everything perfectly, but just like Judah was doing, because they were attempting to do everything perfectly, changing what you are on the outside and dressing nice and putting on cologne and all that, doesn't actually change your heart. It focuses on the outside, but when you change your heart, it actually does change your outside. It changes who you are. What you change in here pours out, and people see it. So we must live a life that mirrors Christ. So I would like to focus this morning on four practical ways, because um, as my family will tell you, I love the practical, of walking in love. And the first one I would like to focus on is, as Jesus did, keep your talk pure and uplifting. You know, Paul was brought before the high priest Ananias. And so he's before the high priest, and he is, I will say, not a fan. Is not, not particularly a fan of him. And so he basically spoke pretty harshly to him, called him, and I quote, a whitewashed wall, which I'm sure he did not quite appreciate. But when he found out, I think actually this was, this was Peter, when Peter found out that he was the high priest, he actually repented and said, you know what, I shouldn't have said that, for it is written, do not speak evil about a ruler of your people, because he realized what you say matters. What you say is poured out of the heart, and in fact, how you speak mirrors almost exactly what is placed in your heart. So we have to be very careful what we put into it. That means that maybe we shouldn't join in on all that gossip that we see. I know that's what 
That, that's what social media is for, and, and joining in and going and doing all those things. But we have to be careful what we see. We just have to, we just have to be careful, no matter what we do, and I'm not saying social media is, is bad. I'm just saying that we have to be careful what we do. What do we place in our heart? Because what we put in our heart, it comes out of our mouth. I know I oftentimes like to watch the news a lot, but sometimes as you, as you go and listen to it a bit too much, it, it just has this negativity and I find if the negativity is in my heart too much, it affects what I say. It affects how I act. It affects how I speak to other people. And I have to be careful. No, I, I can't speak like that. I have to speak love to others. I can't be speaking negativity. I want to be speaking uplifting things. I want to be speaking, physically speaking, encouragement to others. I'm sure we all have that, uh, that toxic coworker. Actually, no, you guys never have that. I, I, just, I just have it. The toxic coworker. When you're around them and you think, you know what, this is depressing. I actually feel depressing. I want to go home and use my vacation time to go home today. And we have to be careful not to join in with that, although it's very tempting to do so. It's easy to join in on an argument. We have to be careful to monitor very clearly what goes into our hearts, or else we'll find that the toxicity will be coming out of our mouths. We need to focus on building people up, and you know, that's something that people notice. Second point is, as Jesus did, we must resist temptation. When he was in the wilderness, Jesus taught us how to resist temptation, how to listen to the Holy Spirit in how we are tempted. I remember I was, uh, I was at work, and it was, my, it was my first couple weeks there, and my coworkers invited me to what I will say is uh, an, interesting, an interesting outing. Um, it was at a place called Mugs and Jugs, which I will stop there, but you can, pros- you can guess... <laughs> They've actually changed the name now. They just call it Mugs, which I believe is probably a wise, wise decision. But I was, I was looking through all this and thinking, you know what? I am a single man. I am a virgin. I want my coworkers to like me, right? This is an outing. This is a chance to go and be with them. It would not be wise to go to this um, event, I would call it. And I had to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, this is not something for me. And I just had to politely decline. I didn't make a fuss, but I just politely said, you know what, no, I think, I think I'm good. And you know what was interesting is I wasn't invited to those anymore. They had many more meetings like that, but they never invited me. Because they said, you know what, by the way I lived, they could tell that's not what he does. That's not what he's like. That is not something that he's interested in. So I would encourage you not to join in on the things that you know really will not end well. And I'm not saying to be a hermit, but to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, for we all face temptation. And maybe I'm the only one that says this, but sometimes cry out to God. And I'll say, Lord, help me. Help me in this temptation. And you just kind of hear this in heaven, and you're like, oh no, that's that's not going to end well. And he says, you know... Jared, if you had listened to me about 30 minutes ago and not been here in the first place, you wouldn't be tempted. And I'm like, ah, right. Not what I wanted to hear, but uh, right, right. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit in those moments, and maybe that means we don't do all of the normal, quote-unquote, things that they do. But people see that. They wonder, why are you different? Why are you speaking uplifting things when everyone else is talking about how horrible taxes are and how horrible everything is? Why is it that you don't go to all the places that we go to, that you don't do all the things that we do? And that actually goes 
into my third point, that as Jesus did, we must fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians says to speak to one another through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, that that's what we should be putting in our heart. That we encourage one another with psalms, as Cindy and the band was doing. We fill ourselves with worship. We fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit so that when he tells us something, we can actually do it. As I said, what, what happens inwardly affects the outwardly. So when he tells you something, you do it outwardly. I remember I was, uh, we train ourselves by listening to the Word of God and praying because you never know when the Spirit will move. And sometimes He will lay something on your heart that is just for you and not for everyone else, which is a bummer. You're like, no, no one else is doing this. Yeah, but I'm telling, I'm telling you to do that. You're like, ah. I had one of those moments, um, I was going out with, we, we had these customers that were there, and we were, we were going out afterwards basically to uh, reward, apologize to them or something like that, you know, f- for making them stay with us so long to fix all their problems. So we were, we were going out and having a dinner with the, with the program, and there were many people there, and you know, everyone was getting their flights of drinks, and there were brothers and, brothers and sisters there that were also getting their drinks, but I felt the Lord place on me, that's not what I was to do. I'm like, oh, but there are brethren here that, that you know, he's a strong man and, you know, strong man in God. And God said, nope, not you. You're not to do that. Not in this case. Not here. Not now. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to listen to you. And so I listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and God used that moment to reach my program manager and the people there for Jesus Christ. He used that moment to open up a chance for me to talk to them in the Lord. And, you know, afterwards I found out that my PM called me um, a buzzkill, which, you know, is, is, is fair, is fair. But I can stand before Christ. I can stand before Christ at those pearly gates. And I can say that when the time came, I listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I did as he told me, and I reached them for the Lord. Because I know sometimes we're at work and we're in meetings, and we think, how can I, in a, a, something like this, Use this to reach people for Jesus. How can I reach people more? But in that moment, I found that sometimes when you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and what he's placing on your heart, you almost don't have to. I didn't have to in that moment bring up Christ. They asked me why I was different. They reached out to me and said, we see that you're different. Why? And when you listen to the voice of the Lord, when you act out of a heart of love, Sometimes you'll find that people will reach out to you and ask why your life is different, which is so much easier than trying to find a way in a, in a meeting for an hour to bring up the Lord. They reach out to you. And you know, they will see why you're different. And I, from that meeting, started a friendship, a real friendship with the brother in Christ. As iron sharp as iron, he corrects me when I do just silly things and I work with him. And that friendship happened because he was there watching me when I didn't realize and said, there's someone that has a conviction for the Lord. There's someone I want to get to know. Turns out he's a, a deacon at his church, and we just have wonderful discussions with each other at work, encouraging other in the Lord because I decided to listen to the Holy Spirit when things got awkward. Because I decided to focus in on the heart and listen to his voice. And you know, when the disciples were at Pentecost, 
and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. People thought that they were drunk. And he said, you know what? We're not drunk. We're just filled with the Lord. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we need to pour it out. And listening to the Holy Spirit and moving in him reaches others because what happens on the inside, because the Spirit, and this is what Judah didn't have, focuses on the heart. And as that heart pours out, it reaches and it touches people's lives. And lastly, as we walk in love, we must do as Jesus did and serve one another. Oh, I, I love this one. Because the Bible says, the greatest of you should be the least. And to serve others as Christ did. For he lowered himself from his throne on high to come to earth to wrap himself in flesh and to die for us. He showed us an example of how to live. Going back to Josiah, it says Josiah defended the cause of the poor and the needy. He knew what it meant to serve. As it is written, is that not what it means to know me? He, instead of gathering his cedar, he poured it out, and he used his lofty position as king to serve the poor instead of just gathering for himself. I think that's a lesson for us, for us all to serve in whatever position that God's given us and to take people that are the most hurting and are the most broken and to lower ourselves and to serve them. And isn't that what we've been doing with Twice the Christmas? I was so encouraged that we were able to fill Axel's huge, big, size of a house box and fill it with presents for those who may have not had a Christmas and serve them and pour out to them. Because when we do these things, when we walk in love, isn't that what it means to know God? Not just showing up outwardly, but actually dealing with the heart in every day, in every walk, and saying, you know what, this isn't just about what I do. I don't need to worry about being perfect. I should focus instead on fixing my heart. I don't need to worry about um, having all the right clothes and, having, and looking good and smiling, though everyone loves a smile. I should focus instead on having the heart, and then the smile will come. Sometimes we focus on correcting our feelings when we need to instead say, maybe I should focus on the Lord, and then the feelings will come, and then the love will come when you focus on, on, on the right heart outwardly. And maybe, I don't know if you're in this morning or watching online, I'm so encouraged by how we stream every week and share things with people. So maybe you are in the farthest reaches of the earth this morning, and you're and you're watching, and maybe you've never heard of a Christianity that was not about rules and traditions, but was about an actual pouring in of the heart outwardly, that was about serving others and loving others. And as we bow our heads this morning, I would like to pray to all that's listening, either in this room or watching online, that if that's you this morning, then you can have a real relationship. Because as I said, something that Judah at the time didn't have is it all starts with Jesus. He is the example. He is who we follow. He is the one that can change the heart. No one can change the heart but him. And it is only through him that a heart can change. And when the heart changes, it pours into every facet of what you do. So if you're here this morning, or if you're watching and you want that heart, all you have to do is repeat after me and just say, Jesus, please come into me. Just please give me that, fill me. 
I want to change who I am and I want to pour into you. I want to be a follower of you and change my heart and follow you, Jesus, to just accept him into your heart. Amen.